Welcome to the third season of Pop Culture Elevator. You might get off on the wrong floor, but it'll still be the right one. I'm Danny. And I'm Mark. We're going to follow the rabbit down some deeper holes, and we might just make it to Wonderland. That's the adventure we're looking for. We will deep dive into some newer films, but also take a look at some of our older favorites. No movie is too big or too small for us to handle, and hey, we'll even have time to talk about film news and our favorite celebrities. That's why we're the hosts of Pop Culture Elevator. Now let's, let's get, get this show on the road. And passengers, we'd love for you to message us. So if you'd like to, you can reach us at a few different places. Our email is popcultureelevator at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is PCE Podcast. Instagram is at popcultureelevator. Facebook is facebook.com slash popcultureelevator. When Mark and I talk about pop culture, we have a hard time censoring ourselves. So there are spoilers. Some of these spoilers are many years old and some only a few days old. We just want you to know what you're getting into. So if you haven't seen the movie we were talking about, you might want to pause this and watch said film. This is your spoiler warning. All right. Welcome back, passengers, to another episode of Pop Culture Elevator. That's right. And as always, today's episode in season three is brought to you by Precise Public Adjusting. If your insurance carrier is giving you a tough time with a property loss claim, make sure you give them a call. They'll make sure that your insurance carrier treats you the way they agreed to. Once again, that's Precise Public Adjusting at 817-992-5040. And make sure you let them know Pop Culture Elevator sent you. Indeed. Well, this episode, we uh, are always excited to talk about a Guillermo del Toro movie. Yeah. Um, although I don't think we've done that on the podcast yet, but uh, Mark and I are big fans of uh, GDT. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're talking about his new uh, film noir, Nightmare Alley. Yeah. Uh, so it's a re-adaptation uh, of the book uh, that it was that the original is based off of. Right. It was a it was a film from, let's see, 1947. Yeah. 40s. Yeah. Yeah. So 1947. And, um, yeah, I went I've never seen the original. I, and I actually here's the deal. I went into this 100 uh, percent fresh. I hadn't watched a trailer. I hadn't read a synopsis. But you knew it was a G, uh, Guillermo I del Toro. I only knew though. it was Guillermo del Toro. That's yeah. all I knew going in. And I don't know why I didn't watch anything about it. I don't know why I never watched the trailers. I don't know why I never... Nothing... Uh, it wasn't even that I wasn't interested because I'm a huge Guillermo del Toro fan. It just... All of a sudden, it was in theaters. And I was like, well, I'm going to go see it because it's Guillermo. Yeah. Uh, and then I didn't get to go see it. And so... It was just really disappointing. And then I just never caught the trailers. I never um, seeked it out, which I think was actually better for me going in, not knowing anything. Um, yeah, I, uh, I agree. Uh, even because I knew I wanted to see it, but I try not to pay attention to who directed it or anything like that uh, before I go in. Or And even if I do, I try to keep it out of my mind that what their style is, uh, because I felt like if you go in this expecting a really scary Gary, uh, Gary, Gary, Guillermo del Toro film. Uh, (laughs) You're going to be a little disappointed uh, because it is, it is breaking away from what you would typically expect from him. It's like his brother, Gary del Toro. The change. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is a Gary film, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I um, you know, I was telling you through text. I was like, this is very much still a Gamma Del Toro movie. Uh, yeah, it is. It has the DNA of of GDT. In it. Yes, again, no... and like like with the Matrix, I was talking about like grotesqueries and stuff like that. You still get those things. The only thing I I would complain about that I thought was a little bit lacking as far as his style is concerned was the Cyclops baby. Uh, that it was CG instead of practical effect, uh, or that they didn't render it a little bit better um, to make it look more real. Uh, but maybe if it looked more real, it'd be too disturbing for the general public. So I don't know. I, I like Event Horizon, so I say throw it at me. But you know, for the masses, maybe not so great. So, um, anyways, other than that, you have other types of grotesqueries that. I don't think that we get thrown at us as much in his other films, like uh, how, you know, and the thing that I, I, it's a double-edged sword for me in this movie, but uh, like we're in the age of where the people are the monsters, right? Um, and like almost every movie kind of has that tone and he really takes it to another level of like how rotten some people can be. Uh like and my favorite story and i think it's it's kind of a theme that repeats throughout this movie is the geek and how the geek is made um i just think that is an atrocity that uh they depicted extremely well uh i would say kind of in triplicate because they show us the original geek uh they tell us how he's made uh and basically willem dafoe is responsible for creating the geek then uh, he teaches Bradley Cooper's character, uh, who is a essentially, a, I think they call him a grifter, but he's like a, a swindler, right? Um, and uh, he's just trying to find work, and he does with this carny, uh, carnival attraction. Uh, and he learns the secrets to creating the geek, and essentially... One thing later that I love is that I love that he tries to use the geek trick on Kate Blanchett and it just backfires on him tremendously. But I'm kind of getting into the the I'm kind of that's like an overarching kind of concept. I think we'll get into a little bit more. Well, I think and the geek is a very big part of the movie. And you the really the fact that they went into the details and stuff. I was reading an article uh, earlier today about the differences between this and the movie. Apparently, uh, this really is like close word to word for the book, mm -hmm. um, except for, I guess, the ending is very much like the movie. The ending is um, different than the book ending mm -hmm. uh, or more ambiguous. I guess the book ending is more ambiguous where this is more like to the point. Um, and both yeah. movies, I guess, do that. The original movie back in the day uh, does it a little differently. They, of course, because of their rating systems, they couldn't show some of the stuff. And the geek was implied instead of shown. Uh, Del Toro went into more of it. A friend asked me about it. I said, don't go in thinking scary. Go in thinking this uh, felt like Pan's Labyrinth without the fantastical. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, it has some fantastic, but, well, yeah, but ultra. Yeah. Without the, <laughs> the fairies was... and all that. Well, of course, yeah. and then you have to wonder if Pan's Lab Labyrinth actually happened and that sort of stuff. Whereas in... Um, this you know what's happening and what's not happening and uh yeah they really laid out for you i do want to go back to one thing just so our passengers know and so you know um uh, all of the uh all of enoch and everything those were all puppets no cgi what 
Yeah, all puppet. I so what I'm complaining about the baby, but I swear parts of that is CGI. The only parts that are CGI is when they're like going into it and they're okay you know, so they, that, that was my complaint yeah they the the very close pan shot well they go through the curves in the inside yeah, exactly that. but like yes that, you couldn't really do that uh with the close-up with a close-up anyway so but yeah. um yeah everything was i was just reading an article everything is um is practical effects uh with those and they were just talking about how hard it was to make them float and and look creepy and they had to play with colors and dyes and all that kind of stuff to make. Oh, that's so cool. I was going to say Guillermo del Toro doesn't really play around with CGI as much as you think he does, which I appreciate Uh, his CGI heavy film, of course, is um, Pacific Rim. And uh, that you have to do CG. Pan's Labyrinth was some layered CG on top of costuming. I'd say most of his other movies are layered on top of costuming. Which is my favorite type of use of CG is enhancing the practical effect, not it's everything. Not exactly, exactly. Um, But anyway, yeah, this movie is just... The cool thing about this movie is the themes throughout it. The whole, the geek being the big theme. uh, Yeah. The the mentalism itself being a theme being used in uh, for know, good or evil three different four different ways in the movie uh, mm-hmm. even when you don't know it's being used then all of a sudden it is um, I just thought that was really cool and kind of the the way it goes and it's it, the other interesting thing to me is that um, Carlisle uh, Stan Carlisle he's not a you know he's not a good guy. Bradley Cooper's character. Uh-huh. Yeah, Bradley Cooper's character. You know that he's not a good guy, but he also seems like a good guy, so you're kind of rooting for him. Ooh, yeah, it's a, well, he has an intro right away, and uh, he's dragging a dead body and, and burning a house with that dead body buried in the foundation, essentially, of this house. And you come to find out that's an even more messed up story. Um, But you so right away, though, you know that he's on the run for doing something bad. However, um, it doesn't seem like he's out to be a bad person. No. And that's and I think that's why you root for him. Well, I think it's I think it's it's weird. Well, and then, of course, till towards the end when you kind of find out stuff. But um, yeah. There's a there's a scene. So he joins the, the circus very early on. Um, Willem Dafoe plays the leader of the circus. Uh, no, 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 no. Ron Perlman's the leader. No, Willem Dafoe did, is the leader. Ron Perlman's just the strong man. I thought Willem Dafoe was just the geek man. No, Willem Dafoe is the and the is, booze man is the is the circus leader. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, and he gets more screen time than the character did in the original movie. But 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 wait wait a second. Uh, Ron Perlman is the one who hires uh, uh, Bradley Cooper's character. It was Carlisle, Carlisle, Stanley Carlisle. So he's like, ah, I'm short a few guys, and I'll pay you a dollar uh, per hour. Uh, but then you move on, and you're gone. So uh, I I swear he's the leader. I mean, no, he may not be I, the ringleader. You thought, know what I mean? I thought that at first uh, when he does do that, but he only hires him on as like, a, hey, we're missing a few people to come in and do this. It to break un- down the tents. Yeah. It isn't until uh, Willem Dafoe's character. What is it? Clem? Yeah. Clem is like, hey, uh, 
why don't you uh why don't why don't you come work with us and i'll buy you dinner and all that kind of stuff like he's kind of the the highest person okay i, even, I see that because he because did offer the, him a job too after the handyman yeah, job and even that's true later in the in the Clem is willem defoe's character's name yeah and even when we meet um the other circus owner later which we don't really talk more about but he he is also the geek person but the leader of the whole thing so cool Cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so, glad we straightened that. Uh, out. I, I, and I would, I would venture to say the way that all these people are, they're a family anyway. Uh, and that I think any of them could probably hire someone on and make it work. You know. Yeah, as long as they had something to do with the show and, and they're contributing. Yeah. yeah. And he does, he does say, hey, you know, these people won't judge you for anything you've done in your past or anything you will do. We're just a family that you know is together. So. Yeah, and uh, the major even is kind of like in charge of uh his and molly slash uh rooney mara yeah uh, uh attraction so yeah. uh, it seems like everyone kind of has hiring power in some regard yeah and i you know so that's and it, you know what i love about all of this is just it is that family aspect like everyone's working together for some uh, you know, their higher purpose of making the show as good as it can. And, and right off the bat, like they can see like uh, Tony Collette's character, Xena can see the, how good Bradley Cooper is going to be. And I'd, yeah. even, I'd even argue to say she sees a young uh, Pete. Um, uh-huh, exactly. Her, her husband, a young Pete in him. Played um, by uh, David uh, Straithorn. Yeah. 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 He was really good. I really like, <laughs> I really like his that. Pete um character yes. he uh was pretty awesome uh kind of a drunkard uh kind of has been type uh but that's because he's been burned by his own attraction mm-hmm. the original um god i love some of the stuff he said though like hey this you know once you start becoming a uh spook once you start doing the spook show you know you need to finish you know you need to be done yeah because when uh I'm, the magician basically believes that his own lies, he's got shut eye. Yeah, shut eye. And I think he believes the illusion is real. Which is, it was really interesting because I kept thinking, you know, Fani was watching a little bit with me. Uh, she didn't really watch the whole thing, but she was watching just a tiny bit. She was like, what do you think? And I was like, I'm having a hard time because I know it's, and this was where, you know, not seeing any of the trailers and not knowing anything about it came into play and only knowing that it was Guillermo del Toro. I was like, knowing GDT's movies, there's always something a little fantasy in them. Yeah. Uh, and so I was sitting there thinking, okay, my first guess. So I, I immediately called the ending, by the way. Um, within the first like 15 minutes of the movie, I called the ending. Mm. Uh, and not in a bad way. Again, I don't think this movie is about where it ends. It's about the journey of how they got there. Um, but I called the ending and then, but I couldn't call where it was going throughout that. And my first thought was, yeah, they do a good job of kind of keeping yeah. it aloof. It's crazy. Yeah, they do a really good job of that. <laughs> and and so, again, my first thought was the fact that maybe they had a deal with the devil and that they actually That's were, cool. were uh, what they said they were. They were the strong man. They were the seer. They were the magician, you know, and all that stuff. And then um, and then they were going to get Bradley Cooper's Stanton or Stan uh, to be part of that. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, probably about 
45 minutes into it. Once Stan and Molly uh, peace out, I kind of let go of that storyline. Yeah, um, and that is a great little love story uh, at the beginning. Oh, it's it's wonderful. I liked it a lot, except for the fact that, like, it's just like the the whole, it's very, the whole ca- uh, circus, their circus is very incestual. Like, mm-hmm. Xena was kind of seeing Stan, but Xena was also with Pete, and Pete didn't care if Xena was hooking up with other people. So to me, uh, I was really feeling like uh, Pete is like a has-been drunkard who is just done trying, right? Uh, and Stan comes along and gives him a little glimmer of hope, uh, like For to receive kind of a protege, exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tony Collette sees that is attracted to him. Uh, but he's there. He literally comes to their house to take a bath in like the living room, uh, and 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 Pete just leaves the house, leaves Zena uh, in alone with a naked Bradley Cooper, and I'm just kind of like, this man just does not care at all. Yeah, like, well, who wonder, does that? I wonder. If just, again, I, I just it's a trust to... thing, but yeah. it's also uh, I also think he just didn't care enough to to look you know what i mean like to just pay more attention because all he's thinking about is his next drink essentially and that's all uh, he was thinking about the whole thing especially when you see him talking with um clem exactly getting another drink and he's like hey i told xena i wasn't gonna let you do this uh and he's like come on just one more and it's like okay one more but yeah clem also i think just feels for him he's like you know this is his vice and he also um, wants to learn from him. He, he respects him. It's well, just Stan that. respects him. I'm just saying Clem himself, the leader, is like, I'm oh. just going to give you this bottle because... Um, He's another geek, essentially. I have yeah, to give you the bottle. <laughs> it's interesting how the, the, that relationship is. Um, and I liked... I knew, I knew, I knew, again, it was a very foreshadow scene where Clem is telling Stan about the alcohol, and he's like, this is the wood alcohol, this is the drinking alcohol. If you drink the wood alcohol, you will die. It is poison. Um, he's like, that's in the right, the blue box, and this is the red box or whatever. And, you know, when Pete asks for a bottle, I knew right off the bat Stan was going to accidentally pick up the wood alcohol yeah. uh, instead. And um, I guess I also wonder how much Pete knew if it was the wood alcohol or not, because Pete's been drinking for a long time and knows the smells of the alcohol. Even at one point, uh, Stan, when he smells the alcohol in Dr. Lilith, who's played by Kate Blanchard. Yeah. In Dr. Uh, Lilith Ritter's office, he's like, oh, that smells like wood alcohol. She's like, you drink wood alcohol? He's like, no, I just, I smelt it before. And it's, it's like uh, very interesting. I thought maybe Pete just doesn't want to live anymore. And he went ahead and drank the whole thing or maybe. But, uh, yeah. In, but but the intention, as far as like he gave it to him, like that's the reason you remember the smell. Because if he spiked somebody, he's like, I don't want to get spiked by that stuff. So you remember the smell, you know? Yeah, but I don't. But I never saw that as Stan actually trying to kill Pete. Um, Not kill, just incapacitate. I didn't. You know what I mean? But I didn't see that. I saw it as a genuine mistake. Like they okay. didn't, they didn't pan on anything. They didn't make it seem like he just got the alcohol and gave it to him. And he even says later, it was a mistake. Even in when he was like confessing his sins in the doctor's office, it's like, he knew it was, a mis- he says it was a mistake. Uh, in the original movie, it's not in the original movie. He actually does get it to kill Pete. 
See, and, and for me, I just see it as something that uh, he can pass off as a mistake, but he uh, knew that if he handed a bottle uh, to Pete, that he could take over his show, essentially. I, and he'd have to, and he'd be forced to learn more uh, or for, forced to teach him more. And uh, Stan slash Bradley Cooper could uh, learn those tricks and take them on the road with Molly slash Rooney Mara. But I would agree with you if I felt like they spent more time on that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'll say it with like this. Okay. Uh, In the original movie, apparently, I read a whole thing on it. Apparently, um, there's a whole plot line where Stan is trying to get Pete's book. Yeah. Um, and this, it never felt like that. Like it only, the only time that I ever felt like he was trying to see the book was when it looked like Stan was passed out and he was getting on that alcohol. And, and, and that, and he, and the reaction is much more innocent when right. he catches him. So it never ever felt to me like Stan was trying to kill him. I don't think Stan was out to kill a bunch of people. Stan saw in this movie, at least Stan saw Pete as a father figure and was learning from him in, and, and I think that had Pete still lived and had Stan uh, stayed with them, I think he would have still learned from Pete. Yeah, of I course. think he would have used him as a mentor and he probably would have stayed longer. But, you know, he got to study the oh. book. And But when he died, he took possession of the book. Tony Collette says you worked really hard for it. Exactly. Um, it's yours. And I, I don't know. I feel like in a way and I think the I need to watch the old movie because. I feel like in that movie they would they might portray that it was intentional not only by Stan but it, by Zena as well. Probably, I think I read that Zena doesn't know that he has the book or something like that. I think he uh, just takes the books and pieces out. But I don't know. Again, I, I, I'd like you know I'd like to watch it. It's only an hour and a half compared to two and a half hours. Yeah, um, but this movie goes by pretty well. I mean, yes, and it no. sucks when you're trying to like schedule it. It's like oh, yeah. two and a half hours. But when you watch it, you're like, oh, that was two and a half hours. Okay. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was great. I thought they used their time really well. There's always yeah. things that I'm going to look at in a two and a half hour movie and say, I could have cut that. I could have cut that. Yeah, uh, only because of timing. But I mean, it's Guillermo del Toro. I'm going to let him have his time. He's earned it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, we really can't go wrong. I mean, how much do we love? Hellboy, uh, and everything else that he's done. Oh yeah. Crimson peak. Uh, just, there's so many movies that I love of his. I don't think I hate any of his movies. Obviously fans. I haven't already mentioned that. Yeah. I don't think I had any of his movies, but he's, he deserves it. So I'll, I'll let him have it. But I will say that I did look to see uh, a couple times. I looked at my watch and thought, okay, I could have probably cut this part out and I could have cut this part out. Um, that's the dad brain talking. It is, guys- it's, it's always <laughs> weird too because I'm sitting there like I got to pick up my kids soon, and then when I finished the movie, I had an hour left, and, I, and it was like nine o'clock that I started watching it, and I was like, man, I'm gonna have to go to work tomorrow, and so it is one of those things yeah. where I look at, I do look at timing. Like I'm sitting there going, man, the Batman may be really good, but it's three hours long. Yeah, and. Uh- and don't get me wrong, like I have said before, like give me the three or four hour movie. But, you know, like if you're going to be like mainstream producing movies, I really feel like two two fifteen is the sweet spot. Well, superhero movies, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Oh again, man! Yeah, it has to be a, something that had warrants that yeah. amount of time. Yeah. Well, when you're telling a big story like that, and this was a big story, so I'll give him that. And I, apparently, yeah. if you're a big fan of the book, you'll like this a lot because it really does get a ton of it in there. Um, I want to bring this up. Did you not love the fact that when the sheriff comes in to shut down the place, mm-hmm. it's Jim Beaver from, yep. uh, from Supernatural? Supernatural. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that scene was fantastic to me when he saves the day and does the whole seer thing uh, with with the sheriff, Jedediah Judd. Yeah, he's there with like, I think it, they had a fake warrant, by the way, because he gr- tries to grab it. And one of the deputies like, don't try that legal crap on me. Maybe uh, like like I'm see, the law, like I'm the one who makes the name of the name of the ju- uh, sheriff on there. So that was that was something. Yeah. So he goes up to Jedediah and just lays out his life uh, as a secret message and just uh, kind of scared, like scares him slash not heals, but gives him some comfort yeah. uh, by way of a, a message from the grave from his mom and uh, saves the show from being shut down. Yeah. And this is also With the skills he learned from uh, speed. Yeah. And this is also a, almost, I would almost call this a, a two-parter movie because the whole yeah. first part is the carnival and him learning stuff and being big. And then the whole second half is the, is the con that he's pulling. Which I love the transitions from that side of the movie to the other uh, with the circle uh, closeout. Yeah, well, it changes. That wow, that's so awesome. Uh, it's just really old fashioned, and I just love that technique. Well, but yeah, he changes him, and he goes for the big fish essentially. Right, but like even like the the being selling out two shows a night and all that, like it just really does change him. The way he's ch- treating Molly, like he's really good to her at first, and then now that he has the way her, he presents himself, it's just very. It, it, he changes. It's it's like a different person, which which really does go to the credit of Bradley Cooper just being a fantastic actor. And speaking of that, uh, of awesome uh, changes, Rooney Mara as well, because she walks into the scene, and, uh, you know, in the beginning of the movie and you're like, oh, okay, Rooney Mara, drag, you know, girl with the dragon tattoo. Cool. Um, but then you see her moments later as the show uh, girl, um, that sounds uh inaccurate uh as uh as a main attraction as a like a, an electro girl and she uh it's like uh it's weird how it's like a a role within a role because she's a character playing another character in that instance and you can really see that it's layered because for a second there it's like almost like oh i think that's a different actress but it's like no that's a different character because she is absorbed uh i don't even remember what what her stage name was but she's absorbed that character uh and now she's presented in a totally different fashion and then they moved to the big city and she's still who she normally is and it's really i just think that she does a great job having that metamorphosis right uh from scene to scene it's nuts yeah i agree with you there she's a great actress as well and and also the fact that uh you know congratulations to her and and uh uh Joaquin Phoenix having their kid not too long ago. Yeah. Um, but you know, a thing to her, like to go from, from new, new motherhood to, uh, straight into acting again and, and just killing it. She's always been a good actress. So there's yeah. nothing, her and her sister are both good actresses. <laughs> uh, although her sister doesn't pick as good of roles as, uh, Rooney does. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, Rooney Mara just being fantastic in this movie and showing off the, the her acting chops, especially. God, I love when she looks at uh, Stan in the car and she's like, you know how I could withstand those electrical yes. electricity? She's like, I knew when enough was enough. Yeah. And she just looks at him and she goes, I've had enough. Yeah. Like, it's just like this. Ooh, like I thought maybe they could maybe salvage it. Like maybe. Yeah. And, and I then, think that's the hope she has too. Oh God. It's just like, and you think maybe he can change, but he can't. Yeah, it's all, no. like He could have walked away. He and her could have just gone and walked away from all of this. And he gets them into all of this. Oh, uh, this whole thing with, okay. So the whole thing with uh, Mr. And Mrs. Kimball, the, the people that, see the sun or whatever that one yeah the second seance like uh, yeah i knew i knew when he said to her uh he looks forward to when you guys can be together yeah and i I was like Uh oh that's that's not something you should you don't just say that to somebody yeah (laughs) that scene was brutal by the way yeah that was a crazy brutal um, she was like i've been thinking about what he said and she just pulls, pulls out the gun and shoots him in the head and then shoots herself through the eye, no less. With a huge smile on her face. Oh. Like, I, like she's about to go to a ball. Like, you know, she's just so happy she's about to be reunited. Yeah. And the husband gets to go, but suicide means you go oh, to yeah, HGW hockey well, sticks. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> murder, murder suicide, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Not just suicide, murder suicide. Yeah. Um, it was the whole second half of this movie is a very different film in a good way. Uh, the, yes. the second half feels more, uh, it's a darker film. Like who done it? First half has some screwed up parts in it, the geek stuff and, yeah. and some of the other stuff. But this one's like, this gets really dark because Bradley Cooper's character, Stan, gets dark. And then you bring in Kate Blanchett's character, Dr. Ritter, who's. And she's out for blood oh, from the get go. And she's interesting too. Uh, yeah. So she starts getting them in on these these seance things. She knows he's full of crap, and so she starts giving Helping him, him work to these people. right. And he and she he thinks he's pulling one on her. Yeah, she's pulling one on exactly. him. Exactly. So this is the heroin trick again, arisen in a different form. So he tries to bait her in with the money. Yep. And uh, you know, like, oh, we got this uh, first. Uh, private gig uh, causing the murder suicide, but they, they don't know that's going to happen yet. This is your and he's half- like, oh, why don't you keep the whole thing and I'll come back for my half when I'm done. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he thinks that he's doing the heroin or the geek trick to her, which yeah. uh, the geek recipe is you spike somebody's beer with heroin uh, with like a drop of it or opium and you hook them on that and then you take it away and eventually they'll do anything for you, a.k.a. eat a chicken, <laughs> a live chicken for show. Uh, and that's how you string him out. Well, he tries to string her out with the money, yeah. which is going to blow up in his face royally. And so but Kate Blanchett, she keeps the money uh, and uh, tr- and she is a truth seeker, essentially. Uh, she just wants to know how he did it. Mm-hmm. And she wants him to admit that he did it. Mm-hmm. And that's all she wants. She does not care about the money, but she does have a slightly pettier motive because uh, really she's just angry that she couldn't stump him up and that she got kind of embarrassed publicly. Well, he said uh, when she stuff. tried. He said yeah, exactly. Stuff, even in private. It, exactly. Uh, she's so a weak she's woman just out and, for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and she has you. It's not even 
Uh, it's petty. Yes, for sure. But she even uh, shows like she's been screwed by guys before. She's got that huge yes. cut going down her chest. Scarlet J. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's not, you know, it's not a, a, she's just, it's basically saying, Hey, you know, like you're not the first guy to, to try to screw me over and you're not going to be the last. And so I'm going to get the last yeah. laugh type of situation. She's more else as a warning, you know, if you, if you uh, piss off the, enough of the right people, you know, they'll make you pay. Now I will say, I, I knew that she was kind of getting him, but I didn't mm-hmm. know to, to what angle she was going with, like where she was going with it. Because when she does finally, she gives him the money and he's about to leave. And she's like, I love you. And she's like, Oh, I know how to play you. It's like, it's like a click. It's like, Oh, I know how to play you. And she's pressing the button on uh, to try to get it. And she's going to like screw him over. He's like, it's all Mm -hmm. ones. It's all ones. It's all. Oh man. That was the worst. And I was thinking the exact same thing when the money went in the vault, I was like, she's going to take it all. Like there's like, like he thinks he's stringing her out, but she is tricking him. Well, even like when, when he goes and he, he makes a, uh, copy of her key and she is listening like she knows what's happening she knows his tricks it's like a it's it's a crazy back and forth i just thought this movie did a really good job of making you see this like there's a lot of movies out there that are going to do this and they're going to make you not see it this one lets you put the pieces together uh with surprising results which i really enjoyed it's like okay if you're really paying attention, you can see what's happening. But when it does suddenly click, you're like, oh, oh, well, that was. Yeah. And I, which I think in uh, like in the in the original movie, I think that's what warrants like an open, ambiguous ending. Right. But I'm so glad they did not do that in this one. Well, and I'll tell you when we get to it, I'll tell you what the what the difference of ending was. OK, um, but so, you know, uh the whole Ezra thing. Let's go on Ezra Grindle. So you have this yeah. guy, Ezra Grindle, and we're already told by the doctor that that Ezra is like you don't want to mess with this guy. He's but, an, um, an eccentric millionaire. Eccentric. He's got stupid amounts of money, and that that sights. Uh, I guess we can't say eccentric because he's he's also he's a hermit. But everyone knows he's got a ton of money. And that he's a, he's a nefarious character. Right. And this excites Stan, right? Yes. Like, so, and, and of course, Stan is also now uh, sleeping with the doctor behind uh, Molly's back. And oh, she's so. kind of feeling it. Like she kind of sees it and, and it gets very much told. She knows it once she sees uh, doctor, the doctor's picture in his uh, sketchbook. Yeah. And. But, because he admits, like, he draws what he's think, what he's yes. got on his mind. Yep. And the drawing's incomplete. So right. he just started, right. you know? So, yeah. And so let he goes to this Ezra guy, and they put a um, lie detector on him. And it's like, he passes two, but he fails two of them. But then he, like, knows the exact thing to say to get uh, Ezra to believe him. And it's like, right off the bat, Ezra's um, right-hand man, Anderson, like, knows. This guy's a con man, but yeah, he's not going to say anything to Ezra because Ezra believes it, and he doesn't want to He doesn't want to hurt Ezra. He doesn't want Ezra to be hurt. Yeah. So he's like, look, if you hurt him, I will kill you. You know, you, I will I will make you pay or whatever. You got five pounds of bone and flesh right here. You get all of them. <laughs> That's what I love that. That was a great line. About Molly. That was so good. Yeah. Um, 
Ron Perlman, although being awesome in this movie, does not have enough screen time, in my opinion. But agreed. Uh, I do love me some Ron Perlman in the scenes that he in. He st- he steals. Uh, that dude could still play Hellboy. Please still play. Absolutely. Him. And again, use the CG to enhance the practical effect. You sure. know, sure. and he doesn't have to do his own stunts. There's a ton of makeup. Yeah. You just know? Give, me, give me another Hellboy. Give me one more Hellboy. One just, more. I need to finish the trilogy. Um, Raba. <laughs> so um, Ezra, of course, you know, he's like, I'm going to pay you a bunch of money and I want you to make my wife appear to me so that I can have that proper goodbye. Well, we find out that Ezra uh, forced his wife to have a miscarriage yes. and I guess killed her. Uh, I guess the, for the miscarriage killed her, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and so forever he's had this guilt and all this stuff. And so he's like, okay, I'll, in like three weeks, I'll be able to make your, your wife appear. And so he looks um, simultaneously cleaning his soul yeah. uh, by making him purge all of his sins, essentially. And he's telling Ezra to do this. And Ezra's like, okay, I'm going to give you $10,000 a week or something like that to make her appear. And there's and- so much hubris because he asks him, you know, like, do you think that you can buy this, the, the ability for your soul to be clean enough to make a soul materialize? And uh, instead of him being like, oh, no, 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 I just I just think that it'll, the money will help you help me. He's like, he doesn't respond like that. He says, yeah, I know I can. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, like, not to sound <laughs> crass, but yeah, I, yeah. I know I can. And so, of course, uh, Stan enlists Molly to his wife to or. Like, are they married or are they just together? Uh, I believe they're just together, just together but essentially yeah. they're man and wife. Yeah, but, I mean, they, common law marriage. Yeah, exactly. Um, but and, and they did, they come from not having money. So I think it's just one of those we committed ourselves. We don't got to go. We don't got to have the official ceremony. We're right. together. Well, he goes, uh, unfortunately, okay. uh, Stan Carlisle's character is not quite as committed as no. Molly's. <laughs> Yeah. And Ezra's like, look, I've been giving you stupid amounts of money. You're going to make this happen. 10,000 a session. Yeah. And you're going to make this happen in like a week or something like that. Four sessions that we know of. Yeah. It's like something ridiculous. So uh, he enlists Molly. He has one more meeting with him and he's like, you got to do this in three days. That's what it is. You got to do this in three days. And so he goes to Molly and he gives her the idea and they do research. And the day it's supposed to happen Molly sees the book and sees uh, Dr. Ritter's picture in it and is like, okay, F this, I'm out. And Stan goes after her. You have to do this for me. Just this one last thing. I love you. And then we're done. We'll be done with this. Which I respect because in most romantic movies where this is a thing going on, like you're doing something bad. The, The love interest normally just bails. And is not like ride or die. And and I really respected that her character was like, all right, this one thing, but then I'm done. I've had enough. Yeah. And she goes along with it. And it's like, all right, this is going to be the last one. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it doesn't work out like that. Well, and so she gets all bloodied up and all that. And he's she's only supposed to come 20 paces. And this is where everything just, I love this because I thought something bad's going to happen here. So Anderson pieces out. We see... Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Kimball get killed or that she shoots him and then shoots herself. So we know that that's happening and it's on Anderson goes and listens to the news. He hears that happening as that's happening. Molly's coming out as the dead wife, a ghost, an apparition. And 
before as that's happening, Ezra's telling Stan that he can't repent. He's done too much. And then he's like, no, you have to, you have to, you have to. And he finally is like, I've done all this. I've tortured these girls. Essentially, you find out this dude's been raping women, possibly murdering uh, the women. I don't I don't think they went as far as rape. At least I'd like to think not. Mm, but I, he definitely beat them to a bloody pulp is what I was imagining. Well, and like the, he would get them and just like beat the heck out of them. From what I read. he had rage. From what oh, I read. Oh, no, it is rape. It's rape. Damn it. But, uh, I guess the book gets more into detail. Um, but anyway, yes, do. he's a, he's not a good guy at all. No, uh, at all, at all. And, um, he goes and he, he's, he runs to Molly and starts hugging her and realizes it's not her. And then he realizes he's been swindled. And I love it. He's like, you're not a good guy to stay. <laughs> like, that's a very easy way of paraphrasing. What that's he's the saying. pot calling the kettle black. There. <laughs> you dirty mofo. Oh and he's like gosh. whimpering because he's been had so yeah. badly. I mean, they made, they tried to make a ghost of his wife yeah. reappear. I mean, that is quite incredibly personal. Oh yeah. The whole uh, thing is just, uh, is, is and crazy. he's been getting warned the whole time yep. uh, by uh, basically his henchmen. Uh, I don't know. What would you, Anderson. what kind of position guy? Right hand man. That's what we call him the right hand man. Yeah. Right hand man. That is a great uh, moniker. Yeah. But yeah, Anderson played by uh, Holt McCallany. And McCallany, uh, yeah. Who's awesome yeah. as an actor, by the way. I love him. Yeah. I loved him in, uh, oh my gosh. I'm going to like, uh, like Troop, not Mind. Something mind, mind hunter. hunter. Thank you. Yeah, he was the yeah. second guy, the 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 uh, the Bill. agent. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, such a great actor. Hey, the mechanic. He's the mechanic in Fight Club. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, but I, yeah, I love that whole scene. So of course, you know, he finds out that these two people that 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 Stan had helped before died. And so he runs out there and as he runs out there, he definitely sees Stan beating the ever living life out of Ezra. He beat his nose off, which is a new thing in film happening right now. Uh, I was watching um, Pennyworth and a nose and a face beating that causes a nose to fall off happens in that too. So that's like a new thing that I people would, are doing. <laughs> I call I said this was a callback to when uh the general beats the old dude in the field in Pan's Labyrinth. Oh good call. That that to me was like and it wasn't as bad as that because that that Pan's Labyrinth was like that was that was heavy. This yeah. wasn't as heavy as that, but it still was pretty bad. Like yeah it's pretty bad. They show his face and it's and just like pulling, wow. Teeth, teeth are broken yeah from in his glass yeah. yeah from his hand anyway in glasses they get away uh she's like leave me alone i never want to see you again molly is like leave me alone i never want to see you again so yeah. stan goes to the next best thing for him which is dr ritter that's where we find out ritter screwed him over uh-huh. uh and, and so- she's powerful and so stands on the run now. Thank goes, God she's a bad shot because that allows Bradley Cooper oh, to take a shot to the ear, yep. which she thinks that she got him in the head. Yeah. But he gets, he's able to get away uh, after a, uh, a foul attempt to kill her. He she, tries he, to kill her with the phone uh, cord. Cord, yeah. But that was a great scene. And then of him going and, and he gets away on the, on the thing and i knew immediately as soon as he gets into a train full of chickens i was like yeah my prediction of the ending is correct yes <laughs> he, he gets uh he gets to a homeless 
in Bankman. He's there. He gives away the watch they already said was like one of his prized possessions. Well, it's also the trophy dad. he took for killing his dad. Right. Because his dad didn't give it to him. No. He took it after he let his dad freeze to death. Well, it was just. And then burned him alive. He becomes his dad, essentially, because his dad is like uh, not a good person to him, loves the watch more than anything. And I would say that Bradley Cooper Stan's character is the same way. Loves the swindle, loves this more than he loves anybody, loves the things, the money more than he loves anybody. And in the end. Which is why he avoids alcohol, because he knows if he takes a sip, he's going to be just as addicted to that as he Which is he to this power that he, he starts feels. drinking a bunch. And yeah, and he, uh, it's such, basically once he starts becoming a star, he starts well, to drink. Every father figure that he's ever had is a drinker. And yeah. so he becomes that as well, which is kind of a, a there's a lot of really good connections. A lot of good connections, um, which, which is what I feel like makes those mental grotesqueries I was talking about. Yeah. Uh, pop. This and is, that that's what I love about this movie. This is an owner for me. So, um, but yeah, anyway, absolutely. Let's get to this ending. So he ends up at this other carnival and he's he's like, I'm a mentalist. I can do this for you. And the guy's like, I don't need a mentalist. That's old school. We don't need that anymore. And uh, this uh, Carney boss is played by Tim Blake Nelson, who is amazing. Uh, I like Tim Blake Nelson. He's one of those ones that he, that always oh, plays these side. Yeah, he's uh, in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He's in Minority Report. And I just love the characters he plays. Well, he's also uh, he's also teased as like the big bad for what would have been the Incredible Hulk part two. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Supposed to be the uh, big bad for the sequel. And so cool. That never happened. So, but technically, Tim Blake Nelson is the um, is in the MCU. So, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, anyway, uh, what was I saying? Um, uh, they so basically the the geek the last geek. He, he geeks him. He's like, hey, well, I do have a, a position. It's only temporary. And you're like, oh shit. He's like, yeah, my geek. And, words. Yeah, he, he didn't just buy Enoch. He bought the geek formula too. Oh yeah, that's right. Because we see <laughs> Enoch at the end, and um, but he's he's like, oh yeah, we've got a we've got it. It's only temporary, but you can be a temporary until we find a real geek. And I probably you know stands like. I was born to play the geek. Yeah, and and you and that's where he realizes uh, because uh, earlier in the story, uh, when he's being warned uh, by Strayhorn's character Stan Pete, I want to keep wanting to say Stan for Pete, uh, but Pete is instructing him, and then he goes uh, to read the the book while he's sleeping, catches him, and he warns him, "Hey, whatever's in this book." Uh, you know, that's where he teaches them about shut eye, but yeah. it can uh, basically lead to a whole bunch of lies. And when the, all the lies are done, there you are staring at the face of God. And this is that moment yeah. where he's saying, I'm, I was born to it. And it's because he has given birth to a whole bunch of lies. And now they've caught up with him and he is truly staring at all of the consequences mm-hmm. uh, for his actions. And I think that is just the most amazing close. Oh, it's a, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic close. It, it was always where he was supposed to go. And him saying I was born for it uh, shows that in the most like grotesque way for him. And uh, he's laughing. Yeah. It's like an ultimate joke. Like exactly. Only he knows. And he's laughing about it. Apparently in the original movie, he says I was made for it. So everything that happened 
made his character in the original where this one was like i was born for it yes um except in the original movie since again it was that different audience in the 1940s the very end gives you this ambiguous molly says you can leave all this and come back with me ah Um, okay okay where this one leaves it at like he's gonna be the geek yeah and i Um, like that because again the people are the monsters in this one and normally i find that trope very lame but this movie truly pulled it it off it does a really good job and i i I appreciated everything done in this film the way it was done totally um this is uh, a truly must-see for a lot of people it's not a horror movie at all even though it's called nightmare alley it is 100% not a horror film. It is a film noir, um, which may turn people off. And, and you've heard me say it a hundred times, passengers. I am not a uh, period piece fan. And this is a period piece, mm-hmm. and I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I have to say the same thing. This is a must-see. I do think that you need to clear your mental palette of any expectations of a Guillermo del Toro film uh, before you go in, because you may be disappointed by uh, the change in uh, where he applies his style. But other than that, uh, this movie is amazing. Absolutely amazing uh, as a, like a tragic comedy. And I, I cannot express in words like how I, Truly love this movie. Uh, I, I feel like it's uh, an actual, it has amazing twists and turns that just keep you on your toes the whole time. And it, it may be slightly predictable uh, for some of you. Danny, I obviously called the ending, uh, which I applaud. I love when people can call the movies. I don't like it when they say it before the movie's over, but I love when people can call it. Uh, anyways, uh, a great movie. And I, I agree. It's a must yeah yeah well let's go on to our always drag to never i made this right. one so stupid hard uh bradley Cooper, oh. willem dafoe and ron perlman uh it's a very hard one um all right did you go first last time or did i i think i went first just because it was the jackass one okay so uh i will always see a willem dafoe i'll be dragged to ron perlman and I will never see Bradley Cooper, unfortunately. But this is very hard. And it's only because Hellboy and Willem Dafoe is just amazing in everything that he does. Uh, no Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 for you. I know, right? I'm just like, oh, man, because the MC was like life for me. So, uh, yeah, and I, I do like Rocket, but... Uh, man, I would also be remiss to never watch Silver Linings Playbook again. Really I movie. love that movie. It's a really good movie. Um, <laughs> always Willem Dafoe. Uh, <laughs> this is a hard one. Okay. Because <laughs> it's like obligatory. It's like, duh, Willem Dafoe. Well, always Willem Dafoe, dragged to Bradley Cooper and bye-bye Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman is at the later part of his acting career, not saying that he is done at all so you'd have to miss out on hellboy 2 i don't think we're getting a hellboy 3 unfortunately (laughs) or 3 rather uh so uh and 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 not anything against ron perlman it just means that uh i think bradley cooper has a really good career ahead of him not that he hasn't done it 
he's done some amazing movies before this. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm going to go with Drag to Bradley Cooper and Bye Bye Ron Perlman just for this segment, just to be yeah. a little bit contradictory. Uh, but I love yeah. all three of these actors. Like it'd be yeah. reminisce to, to not see any of these. So. And I just love Ron Perlman after meeting him and then after and, and hearing like his political views and stuff. And then he actually stands up and voices his opinion. Uh, I just I admire the guy. Yeah. Um, well, you know what you should admire as well? What's that? Our sponsor. <laughs> OK. <laughs> All right, passengers, welcome to the birthday in the news. February 13th, we start off with Mina Savari. Yeah, American Beauty. How could you go wrong, right? Yeah, I mean, I always go to American Beauty and uh, American Pie. Oh, of course. Those are her two, like, big movies. Her fran- and one's a franchise, I guess, and one's a movie, but they're both. You know what? Nobody ever says, hey, I loved you in Loser. Sorry, I always forget she's in Loser. <laughs> That's a quote from the. I know American, from or no no no. They Jane buys that love strike yep, back. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's always the pie effort. Ugh, I'm haunted by it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's so uh, February 14th. We have Mr. Simon Pegg. Who's that guy? Just kidding. This guy is amazing. Oh God, Admiral's End, Shaun of the Dead. I mean, you just cannot go wrong with this guy. Yeah, the other day he said that he doesn't think that there should be any more uh, sequel. There shouldn't be any sequels to the Cornetto trilogy movies. Like he doesn't okay. think there should be a Shaun of the Dead two or a Hot Fuzz two or a, a World's End two. But he said that he does uh, him and uh, Nick, um, Swar- Swar- not Swartzen, no Nick Frost. Him and Nick Frost yeah. uh, are circling a movie right now. That they would be in together. Oh, so everyone loves uh, Nick Frost and, and Simon Pegg together. But I would say uh, Simon Pegg did a really good job of branching out from what he always did, and uh, you know did all the Star Trek movies, these the new three, and um, of course uh, Mission Impossible worked his way in on three and became a fan favorite character. So yeah, yeah, and uh, honestly, dude, I'm not gonna lie. Don't get me wrong; I respect that they won't make any sequels to this Cornetto uh, trilogy, but I uh, would totally appreciate like a 28 Shawns later or something like that. <laughs> I, I, I would, I would, I would be lying if I uh, wouldn't want to see a Hot Fuzz too. Right? Uh, not, I don't really care about the Sean uh, one just because I thought that they uh, wrapped it up pretty tightly. Yeah, they um, did. I don't need to see the world where zombies are getting along with people. Um, no, I just want to see like somebody else's story. Uh, like, it could be fun, but yeah. I think uh, that first one is just so perfect. Yeah, uh, it came across it really as, is. Like, the perfect time, perfect editing, perfect script that uh, it just I don't think you could capture the same magic, uh, the same lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Um, although, I, you know what? I can't never say never because Jackass Forever captured the lightning in a bottle and became amazing so um yep. they're jackass movies so anyway uh february oh also i i really hope that he plays uh the same character he played in ready player one for ready player two. Oh, that'd be cool yeah um come back for that february 15th we have the creator of the simpsons and futurama matt groaning yeah I mean, this guy's responsible for so many hours of enjoyment. Uh, I really appreciate this guy. And on top of that, you told me Futurama's coming back. We'll talk more about that later. Oh, yeah. Uh, February 16th, we have Elizabeth Olsen, our favorite witch. 
<laughs> the Scarlet Witch. Is that Witch? Sabrina? I do like Sabrina. Okay. <laughs> but no, I do love the Scarlet Witch. I'm excited to see her in uh, the, the Doctor Strange too. Absolutely. That's going to just blow the doors off of reality. It's pretty awesome. Oh, I'm excited. I'm super excited. Uh, February 17th, we have Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Third Rock uh, from the Sun. Oh, yeah. Also from Batman. That begins. It's Dark. The Dark. No, it's uh, Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. It's going to say The Dark Knight, but no, he's not in that. He's Dark Knight Rises. <sighs> and I loved Looper and 50 50. The 50 uh, 50 is 50, a bittersweet love, but it's 50 50 awesome. is really good. But uh, also uh, 500 Days of Summer. Yep. Yeah. Oh, totally. Or is it 300 Days? 300 Days of Summer? 300. Five. Five. Is it five. I thought it was some hundred days of summer. <laughs> I love that movie. Obviously, I don't always remember the news. Uh, um, it's 500. It's 500. Okay. Uh, and then February 18th, we have uh, one of the Brat Pack, Molly Ringwald. Yeah. Oh, man. And I really appreciate her role in Not Another Teen Movie. Like kind of make it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, you know, and I read a really interesting article she wrote about um, John Hughes. Oh, and how uh, you know John Hughes came from being like the pervert, right? Like he was doing National Lampoon stuff, and then he yes. does this, and like there were things that he wrote into his movies that she actually was like, "Hey, look, I'm not comfortable with that. It doesn't need to be there." And he listened to her and took it out. But then there Old were things school. in the there were things that they said this isn't cool, and he kept them in the movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was a really interesting dichotomy she had uh, writing about him and the love for his movies. And she wrote she watched Breakfast Club with her twelve year old daughter and uh, how that you know the questions that her daughter asked. You know, but I thought it was just a really interesting article. Oh um, yeah, that everyone should read. Because it didn't, it didn't make John Hughes look like a bad guy, but it also put him in a different light, mm-hmm. uh, in a good way. Because you need to think about these things. Yeah, because you wonder, especially now looking back with the Me Too generation, and and we're going over everyone's uh, career with a fine tooth comb. It is nice to see that one of these pillars that gave us these raunchy comedies. Uh, did not perform some sort of atrocity to one of the sure. people working for him. She also, you know, said that we need to watch movies like they're a product of the time. Agreed. Which I applaud because I think too many people are saying, let's censor this. Let's let's cancel this. I completely uh, agree. If anything, it should be a time study and an example of how not to act if it is just, you know, unfavorable now. Just put up a warning before it pops on the TV or on a streaming service, just like Disney's been doing and saying, hey, this doesn't uh, show our views. Yeah. Um, Podcasters, for those of you listening, there's a car being broken into a dance house. (laughs) When the car goes in yours, I don't hear it. Car goes in the back of mine, I can hear it. Uh, February 19th, last but not least, we have two people because we couldn't choose. Benicio Del Toro. Yeah. Uh, who is an amazing actor. If you have not seen Sicario, you are doing yourself a big disservice. Oh, I am doing myself a disservice. I have not seen it yet. Oh, uh, but you know what movie of his I truly love? Guardians of the, the Galaxy. The Wolfman. Oh, duh. Yeah, the collector was badass. Uh, Dude, you always bring up the Wolfman. Like, it's it awesome. Get, like, it didn't. He did it. I feel like he did. did. It got critically panned, man. Oh, good. Not saying that it that people uh, don't like it, but it just critics hated it. 
I just feel like I never hear anyone talk about it. It's like it happened and bam, it's gone. Yeah. You know, that's all. And I, cause I don't follow the awards and all that because you know why. So, but yeah, I just, I, I, I hope that they, that they got the awards and I'm glad to hear in this case they did. I think they did, but. Oh, well, well, that's what I'm talking about. No, they they, didn't. I'm saying they're panned. It was no one liked it. Oh, okay. Yeah. But. Yikes. I loved it. It, you know, ever teach their own. I didn't watch it, so I have no, I have no. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is amazing in it. Like, oh, saying I, anything. I don't even know why I didn't see it. I think I was excited to see it when it came out, and I didn't. I thought we did see it together. No. It was one of those movies that just fell on the wayside for me, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but for the time and the and the t- technology that was available at the time, it was pretty good. The graphics of the transition for the wolf in some parts will be great, but in other parts will be lacking. And it's probably a money issue as well. I mean, Universal Obviously. was trying to restart their franchises and um, just couldn't get it to do what they wanted. You know, and they tried Wolfman and they tried Dracula Untold. And yes. They tried the mummy and it just nothing was happening. Uh, honestly, I thought good things were going on, but uh, apparently a lot of people did not agree with me. So I never uh, saw the mummy cut or Dracula Untold. That's another one I wanted to watch and I never saw. I saw that one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it was all right. Yeah. And then last but certainly not least on our list, the same day, uh, one of our favorite uh, comedy movies of all time is Dumb and Dumber. So, Mr. Jeff Daniels. Yes. Uh, One of his speeches that I love is the one where he talks, goes off on how America is not the the best country. Yeah, I I do love that response because I just love when some people don't just fall into the fanfare and say, you know what, you're right, you know, uh, I really like that. And especially it was kind of ahead of its time. Uh, well, that's the, that's the opening scene of the newsroom. I mean, that's literally, I have not seen that show. Introduction uh, just to the that show. clip. Oh, it's, wow. it's a fantastic show. But that's the introduction to the show is she walks up and she's like, why is America great? And he's like, cause it's not. Yeah. And he goes off and it's like this really good guy. That whole, sh- that whole first season is <clears> one of the best first seasons of a show I've watched. Uh, uh, I didn't finish it, actually. I finished the first season. I didn't finish the second or third season. Not mm. for lack of wanting to, just that first season's momentum is boom, 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 boom. Uh, and so I was expecting that, and it, they went in a different way. Not in a bad way, just I just, and then I never finished it. And I um, think the first movie I saw his was Speed. And I really liked his character in Speed. He's the best friend that gets killed. Oh. Uh, oh, wait, no, it was arachnophobia. It was arachnophobia, and I will never, ever forget that movie. Oh, and ingrained in my brain. Anyone who's seen it knows exactly why. Yeah. <laughs> the reason that spiders freak me out so much. Mm, it's that movie. Happy birthday to our celebrities. Yes, happy birthday. Without you, we wouldn't be able to do what we do, so thank you. Uh, let's get into some news here. This one's a fun one. Jim Carrey is going to be reprising his role as the cable guy for a Horizon Super Bowl commercial. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Looks pretty good. I saw the, the teaser for it. He's brushing off his stuff. He's got a Verizon thing on. He's got the drill. And you see him go, you know, the cable guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to watch that. There's some they're, they're doing some cool things with the commercials uh, before the Super Bowl this weekend. This weekend? Yeah. Yes, this, this Sunday. Weekend. I don't. Got you guys, it's last weekend. Passengers, I'm not a huge Super Bowl. I'm not a football sports person. I'm a commercials uh, guy, though. But I'll watch the commercials. <laughs> and the trailers, I'm really excited for some of the trailers uh, this weekend. Yes. So I'll be watching it all on YouTube, I'm sure. Um, speaking of trailers, man, 
You watched that Jurassic World Dominion trailer? Yeah, I did. And uh, I wanted to say about Jim Carrey uh, that he, because he recently did that 60 and sexy thing. Uh, yeah. If you saw that post, he's also 60 sexy and still swinging. He is still coming out with cool stuff. And I'm really excited for yeah. his uh, reprisal of Dr. Robotnik oh, and yeah. the sequel of Sonic. Uh, but yeah, just Jurassic World Dominion uh, is awesome. I'm so excited. Was- Gave me everything that I want from a Jurassic Park movie. But uh, it shows me the whole darn movie. Mm, uh, yes and no. It showed you the setup, but I really I really do think there's going to be a lot more to it. Uh, I did feel like the trailer did show a little too many of the set pieces. Uh, I could have been good with like an, yeah. a minute and 30 seconds instead of two minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah, me too. I could have been um, good with 30 seconds. Right. But but what they gave me, I'm really excited about. Of course, they hit you in the feels where you see Ellie in the tent and he's like, yeah, she's like Dr. Grant. Yeah. And it's just this beautiful like, oh, yes. And then, of course, we you have, have the, so much to show you. You've got uh, <laughs> uh, Hammond in the background, John Hammond talking in the background. I assume it's John Hammond. Yes, um, it, is it sounds just like him, but no, and, and it's his exact speeches. So, okay. yeah. So and then, you know, life finds a way. And of course, you see Goldblum in there and it's just so exciting. And um, I love that he is just telling the truth that man is subservient or, uh, yeah, just subordinate rather to nature. Uh, although we uh, consider ourselves mm-hmm. differently. And it's looking like this is happening uh, a little bit farther into the future just a little bit because there's more dinosaurs than what they had let loose. Um, and it took me a minute because it's been, it's been a minute since I saw fallen kingdom. Yeah. And it took me a minute to realize that the little girl is the clone girl and not like their love child. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but there was <laughs> great things in the trailer that I'm just super excited to see. Uh, and I'm I'm very I'm very hyped to see what they do with it and how they're going to go about it because it seems like dinosaurs are now integrated into the world. But she will be able to relate to them somehow because she was also created in the same just fashion. like they were exactly. I'm interested to see where it goes. I love seeing uh, BD Wong with long hair this time around. Yeah, yeah. The as the evil doctor who created the dinosaurs. Yes, I uh, love his lines in. Uh, kingdom oh gosh fallen kingdom was good i don't know why people hated on it i thought it was such a cool movie to make it uh based like you have the jurassic park part of it and then it's a haunted house movie and like the victorian horror and i love that i just think maybe it didn't have the awe-inspiring uh kick in the pants that the first one had well but that's the thing that comes with origins yeah you still get a kick in the pants but you know, it's not new anymore. The dinosaur concept is not new. So you're not going to get that same feeling. Right. But uh, they also killed Jurassic Park. Like Jurassic yes, Park was killed gone. in this movie. Like them, uh, the, the volcano the, went you know, going off. And of course, you know, now they're going to go back to the island to see what lived and Blue's going to have lived and they're going to get Blue and bring Blue back and he's going to, that's you know that's kind of what I yeah and and also remember there was a mass exodus by the animals mm-hmm. that tried to swim fly or whatever away and then also some of them were shipped away yeah well there's a VR uh, there is a VR experience for Jurassic World that is uh, what happens during the explo- during the uh, volcano going off 
Yeah. And then uh, after it goes off, Blue is still alive. That's awesome. So it, I think it's supposed to be canon for it or whatever. Anyway, I'm excited. Uh, that trailer was really cool. Speaking on trailers, uh, and I didn't write this down, but there also we got the trailer for Firestarter. Yeah. With, um, with uh, what's his name? Um, Zach Efron. Mm-hmm. And uh, that looked really good. That looked really good. Uh, and then I'm excited about that one too. The new Ryan Reynolds film, The Adam Project, being a time travel film, looks that one as- seems a little bit uh, like like a children's movie to me, but it still looks really good. Oh, it looks a lot of fun, and, and being that it's directed and written by uh, the guys who did Free Guy. Oh no way! Okay, yeah, so that's gonna be good. Sean Levy and and Ryan Reynolds and all that, and they wrote it together, and so it, it's exciting. Uh, exciting time to be alive, people. It sure is. Um, Will Smith is calling for the ire cut now of the Suicide Squad or of Suicide Ooh. Squad. Not the Suicide Squad, but <laughs> Suicide Squad. So if some big name like Will Smith is calling for it, maybe we'll actually get it. Uh-huh. You said we would never get it last time. Well, maybe we will with Will Smith <laughs> back in the play. With Will Smith, there is a way. Will Smith, Will Smith, man. There's, uh, a, there's a way. Oh, my God. That's funny. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> Russell Crowe has been hired uh, to be in the movie Craven the Hunter, where Aaron Taylor Johnson is playing Craven. Yes. I'm, I'm interested to see what they chose him for as far as roles. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting way more excited about Aaron Taylor Johnson movies uh, now, not that I you know, it wasn't before, but just more so like me actually keeping an eye out for her movies and being like truly excited, like what's going to happen next. So in her career, that is. Because Queen's Gambit got me, but you're I, of Anya Taylor-Joy. Oh, my God. Who is this? Aaron Taylor Johnson is uh, is is uh, kick ass. Oh, excuse me. Still it's all good. Still excited about that actor. Oh, he's gonna not be good. As excited as give me, Anya Taylor. Give Joy. me Anya Taylor Joy in anything though, and it's gonna heighten my <laughs> my excitement. For Those initials movie. got me hard. I know. <laughs> Anya Taylor Joy or Anya Taylor Joy, Aaron Taylor Johnson. I yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I do. I, Anya's in my three man. Just saying it again. <laughs> Throwing it out there again. It's uh, a joke. Love, her. yeah. Um, and then Hulu, we talked about this kind of brief, briefly. Hulu has uh, ordered a new season of Futurama, but there's some there's some backlash because John DiMaggio hasn't sh- signed on to play Bender because of a uh, contract dispute, and so they were talking about recasting Bender, and fans are like, we're "No way, boycott the show if John DiMaggio doesn't become better." Come on, the reason people watch this show. Yes. Partly was Bender. Like um, I would say, a third of the reason why you watch the show is Bender, Bender is one of the best parts of it. I mean, you got Fry and and uh, Leela and whatnot, and their actors are important. Uh, yeah, St- Stephen West is amazing. You can't cool. not have him. And of course, <laughs> uh, you have um, I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but Pe- Peggy from. Um, from uh, Married with Children playing Leela. <laughs> I just said Squidward, Squidward instead of Zoidberg. Zoidberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I've been uh, sleeping well lately. But anyway, uh, yeah, so people are wanting to boycott it. Hopefully it, it just kickstarted into saying like, okay, we will make a better deal for John DiMaggio. I mean, John DiMaggio is a legend. Which he deserves it. Yeah. He's a, he's a legend in um, 
in the in the voice acting world. I mean, you can't not have him. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be like uh, having you know, like Adam West do a voice something, and it'd just be like, ah! yeah, and like, come on, dude, give the man what he wants. He's a star, and people are gonna come just for him. Right, right. And and the other thing I want to talk about real quickly that I didn't put in there, and I'm trying to pull up the list uh, very quickly, but I couldn't. Oh, farts. Where did it go? Um, oh, here it is. Fan Expo just announced their voice actors coming, yeah! in, uh, coming in. They got some really good. Vo- I mean, we got uh, Paige O'Hara, who played Beauty uh, from Beauty and the Beast, or Belle, I'm sorry, from Beauty and the Beast. Uh-huh. Ming Na Wen, which we already knew she was coming, but uh, Chris Sarandon, who plays uh, um, Jack Skellington. Yes. And, and the guy uh, who does Oogie Boogie is coming too. Yeah, yeah. Oogie Boogie, Ken Page. We got mm-hmm. Ashley Eckstein who plays uh, Ahsoka from the Clone Wars series. And is the Sean Astin the Sean Astin that I'm thinking yeah, of? It's from the Okay, Hobbit. good. Oh my God. Yes. But we, oh my God. Knew, but we already knew he was not from the Hobbit from Goonies. And but, it, <laughs> but it cracked kidding. me up because we already knew they were coming, but yet they put Elijah Wood and Sean Astin yes. as cartoon character voice yes. actors. So like, yeah, yeah, they are, but I mean more so. And then Michael Rooker made me laugh having him on there as the as from what if. I'm like, well, you could just say he's from Guardians of the Galaxy. Exactly. Yeah. Or or and from, you know, like but not only that, we got the we got Brett Iwan who plays Mickey Mouse. We have Rob Paulson who is in an Amnaniacs. His name is Rob Paulson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Will Friedle, who's Batman Beyond. Uh, Terry McGinnis. Wow. Flash, of course. <laughs> I just realized that those are the same people, and yes. I am so pleased. And I will totally get that guy's autograph. Yes. And uh, Christy Carlson Romano, who played uh, Kim Possible slash, um, what was that lo- that show she did? She did it with uh, with um, Transformers, dude. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm so sleepy. <clears throat> that show they did, Even Stevens. Yeah, she was on Even Stevens. Anyway, uh, that's our news. Now listen to our sponsor. All right. Hey, Mark. Today's sponsor is Fallon's Freak Flag Fellowship. The church where no matter who you are, Pastor Fallon will love you anyways. And so will the congregation. For our passengers who try a Sunday at Fallon's Freak Flag Fellowship, they'll walk out with a brand new Yeti mug and a freaky Bible. Oh man, those Yeti mugs are drip. Thanks, Fallon's Freak Flag Fellowship. Thanks. Yay! All right, passengers, you know what time it is. It is time for the elevator pitch. Danny's going to have 30 seconds to take an imaginary ride with our movie executive. He's going to have that 30 seconds to convince this executive of a movie pitch based on three random words given to us by a random word generator. Danny, you ready to take a ride? Sure, let's do it. Okay. Your three random words are tax, melon, and seller. And I'm sorry, I forgot to copy and paste. Tax melon seller? Yes, sir. Uh huh. Tax melon seller. Tax. Oh, seller. Seller. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, like basement, the, not, yeah, not not like someone who sells things. <laughs> like yeah. an actual basement. Yeah. I'm really glad it's not that because it's always it would lead into like, oh, a guy selling lemons, you know. Yeah, okay. Tax melon seller. Tax melon seller. 
And this is why we copy and paste. <laughs> All right, I'm going uh, super out there with this one. Super Good. out there with this one. This is a, a future, dystopian, futuristic. Mm-hmm. We're going into the deep, seedy parts of the city, like a cyberpunk, deep, seedy area. Cool. And our, uh, our, our venue is a plastic surgeon. Uh, the, plastic sur- <laughs> the plastic surgeon specialty is breast enhancements or in augmentations. Or melons. <laughs> and on, on the menu, they're called melons. Uh, and in this future, though, there's a real big tax on getting your breasts or any private parts augmented. Elective surgeries? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, actually. <laughs> uh, but, it, but think of it like in tax wise, it's like they tax you by taking other parts of you. It's like repo man. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and so this man works out of the out of the cellar of his of his um studio of his of his office his practice is a high-rise cellar yeah yeah <laughs> sorry um anyway it's it's how uh he it, it's it's following this not great guy who who has to keep his head above water because he's, he's just, always he's just doing a job he's doing his job but he's doing it kind of iffy on the side but he also has he also has some seedy people after him as well because we're in a cyberpunk didn't meet his liver quota better liver alone so the government wants their part of the tax of course and so uh it goes through like that that's my that's my pitch i like it I think we're I I would like a little kind of a reimagining of Repo Man. We're due for it, right? Yeah. Point, not a remake, not a reboot. Just just, to, just a reimagining. Yeah. Reimagining just type a, of thing. We're just an implementation of the exactly of the concept. Homage. Right. We're we're there. We don't get a lot of dark films like that anymore. Right? Yeah. Probably because we live in dark times, but but also if it was made, everyone boycott it or cancel it. So well, they're calling the movies <laughs> melons. They're calling the movies melons. They're gonna cancel this. No. Um how dare you talk about tax in America? <laughs> <laughs> talking about it right now. It's tax season. I'm trying yeah, to pay my taxes, stressing out. You got all my W2s lined up. I've got all of that stuff, but I also am sitting there going like, where's my 1099s? Yeah. (laughs) I need all this. No, it's funny. Oh, gosh. Then I tried to do my taxes last night. I got halfway through and I was like, "Hmm, after this, I'm done. I need need a brain break. Yeah. A brain break. Just going to go take all my stuff to HR block or something. Yeah, seriously. I don't want to pay for that. I want to get my maximum refund without having to give them anything. Exactly. I pay my $6.99 to Free Tax USA. Heck yeah. Yeah. That's a good spot there. We should get sponsored by them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's your money. Get it when you need it. Just kidding. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Elevator. We love you, passengers. And remember, if you want to contact us, you can reach us at popcultureelevator at gmail.com 
Instagram at Pop Culture Elevator, Twitter at PCE Podcast, and our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash Pop Culture Elevator. Thank you again for listening. We will see you next Wednesday.